right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Elevate Podcast, where I've got a very special guest today. We've got my great friend, top agent on the RMG team, Ryan McMillan. Bro, how long have we been talking about this? Talking about doing a podcast? Yeah. Uh, countless, countless months. Let's say, let's say maybe a couple years. It was one of the first visions of this office when we moved in here a couple years back, right? Can you even believe that we actually have this setup done? This is uh, this has been several years in the making, and uh, you know we always talked about in, inviting really cool people doing really cool things. And sometimes you guys got to look inside the house to see who's doing some awesome stuff, and you are doing some amazing things. You've come so far. So I'd love to just wrap it up with you today, man. Okay. Well, again, thanks for having me. And I'm honored to be one of the first few guests on the Elevate podcast. So um, I know that we've been talking about doing this for a while. And the format is, it's it's exciting because it's not pigeonholed. So we get right. to talk to the team members. We get to talk to each other. We'll do these together. Um, we'll have cool guests. And um, so I'm looking forward to it. So um, yeah, let's get into it. Fire away. All right, let's jump in. Ready? What was your perception of real estate before you actually got in the business? That's a great question. And I'll tell you what, it definitely was different from what it was when I got in. So my perception of real estate was I'm going to be completely transparent and honest here. It's like most people think like, oh, you know what? Like, yeah, it'll probably be hard work and it's a skill set to learn, but man, you can make some great money. Selling one house will get you X amount of dollars and you'll be set up. Coming from someone who worked every shift as like a bartender or a bar manager to where like if I didn't work, I didn't make money and it was like a few hundred, maybe $500. I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll work in real estate and uh, it'll be fun and exciting and I'll make a bunch of money pretty quickly. That was kind of my perception, no joke. Okay. Yeah. And so at what point did you realize the perception wasn't the reality? And you're like, <laughs> okay, this is a little bit harder than I thought. I think once I realized that client acquisition wasn't as simple as that was kind of something you just don't think about in the beginning on the outside looking in. Like you don't think I'm going to have, I'm not going to have customers or I'm not going to have clients all the time. Like you just think about like, what do I have to do to be in real estate and how does real estate work? And I have to learn this. And I have to learn that. But I, I think once I realized that getting a client to say yes to work with you takes a lot of time, yeah, especially in the beginning. And I think that was my, that was when like, so it was probably like a couple months in when, when you were like, okay, so call these people and see if they want to, you know, talk to you about real estate or, or see a house and, and realizing that like, that doesn't happen in one phone call. I think that's when I kind of figured it out. Yeah. 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 So, um, I mean, we, we see it all the time. We see new agents come into the business and their eyes are twinkling and they're like, I've got a database and I've got so many friends and my family is going to buy. And then they get in and they're like, oh, nobody's saying yes. No. Now what? Yeah. So it's pretty cool to, to, to hear that. So no, people that are watching this don't know your story or many people don't know your story. How did you and I connect? How, how, why did you ultimately choose to work with, with me? So um, going back about almost, so over six years now, been with you, been in real estate all together. Um, I you know, decided I wanted to get out of the bar and restaurant industry and transition into real estate. And so I actually took the courses twice. One time I started 
didn't finish and just kind of went back to what I was used to doing, which was bartending and just being on autopilot. And then finally I was like, okay, I made the decision I'm committing. Um, so I took the courses again, followed through. And as I was getting closer, I, uh, was speaking with, uh, a good friend of mine who I grew up with, who you're very familiar with, Eric Crumbaker, and telling him how I was getting my license. Um, Eric and I have been friends for since we were like six years old. We lived together. We worked in the bars together. He got into real estate, I think it was like 2010 or something like that, around then. Yeah. Um, and was working with his family. And uh, he was like, look, man, when you get in, you got you to gotta talk to people that have a team. I want to introduce you to some people like that's the way to do it. Don't go solo. You need a team to help like kind of accelerate your growth and learn. I'm like, okay. So I got close to finishing. I think it was, you know, maybe like I was about to take the test and he said, you know, I got to introduce you to some people. And, um, you know, so he introduced me to you and that's kind of how it ultimately started. Um, I passed the test on the first try, by the way. And, uh, How's the bullet? <laughs> God, it was nerve wracking. <laughs> It's like taking the friggin' SATs. Yeah. You're just terrified. Yeah, your life depends on and it. And you're just praying that when you open up that thing outside that it says you pass. God, I remember. You know, nowadays, everyone's spoiled. They tell you right then and there if you pass or not. It just says pass or yeah. fail. We had to wait a week to get there. No, I didn't. They, oh, you they didn't? told me right then. They, they pulled a piece of paper oh. and they say, take it outside. Do not do anything till you're in the parking lot because you don't want to discourage anybody. <laughs> So, so I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, man. Cause I went to San Diego to take it. Cause you were like, go take it. They were like, take it there. It's better. Yep. So I took it down there and I, I remember I got in the car and like, I was terrified. I opened up that piece of paper. Can't and you it, waited till the car. Dude. Wow. That's I just wanted to be alone. And I was like, all right. And so oh. anyways, we got off topic here. Point being, I, I passed and he's like, you got to talk to Robert, like, you know, meet with him, whatever. Of course I, I met with other people too. It was only actually one other brokerage that I talked to. I did talk to another friend of a family um, that was in, but they weren't going to give me the time and effort that I needed to like be a new agent with them. So anyways, we met, uh, we sat down, we chatted. I talked to another brokerage. I talked to another person and, and there was just a vibe, you know, and there was some brutal honesty as well. Um, you know, kind of like, you're not going to really make money in the beginning. This is, you know, how it's going to be and blah, blah, blah. And, and so I was like, all right, you know, and then like, I remember going back to Eric and Eric's like, well, Robert is going to be honest with you and probably teach you the ways to be a good agent. Other people are going to maybe tell you that you can make more money and you might be solo, but you won't have as much guidance. So it's kind of like the red pill or the blue pill, right? Right. Like, so, yeah. so I'm sitting there and I'm kind of deciding like, which, which route am I going to go? So ultimately I chose, I was like, I would love to learn how to do real estate at a high level and be good at it rather than just chasing the dollars. So I yeah. made that decision and um, after a couple more meetings, cause you're one of those guys that likes to have multiple meetings with people before pulling the trigger, um, yeah, build I, rapport, build rapport or analysis paralysis <laughs> or overthinking things, whatever yeah, you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you've been one to do those things that I've learned over the course of six years, but anyways, it was a good fit. Um, and yeah, you know, we, we vibed, that was a, a huge thing. And also I felt like I'm going to learn from this guy. Um, and be able to be a good agent. And that's what Eric said. He's like, look, man, Robert will teach you how to be a great agent. I don't know what the other people are offering you, but I just know that about him. So like you can choose whoever you want feels good, Yeah. but that's ultimately why I chose it. Right. So, so here we are fast forward six plus years later and here we are. And that's yeah. how we kind of got started. Yeah. I love it. I mean, the personal referral always goes a long way. You know what I mean? If you have sure. somebody that you absolutely trust and they say, 
this person is somebody that I would work with, then I mean, there's a built there's built in credibility there too. Yeah. So I'm I'm grateful for Eric. I'm grateful for, for the fact that he introduced us. And I mean, like you said, look at us now. In hindsight, is there anything that you would have done different early on in your career? Hmm. Knowing what you know now, right? There's so much of that because yeah. you didn't know a lot back then, and you're just like, whatever, I'll do whatever. Yeah. Would you do anything different? I honestly think. Um, I would have emphasized more on building somewhat of a brand or free marketing myself a little bit earlier when, once I realized the tools of that later in life, cause at the beginning you think, Oh, I have to spend money to market, which you really don't, right? Like you just have to utilize the free tools that are out there. So I think that, and also I think I would have, I would have set my sights on the price range and points I wanted to be in a little bit earlier. Like I, I wanted to transition into luxury. And I remember when we first met, I told you like kind of sort of like that's where I wanted to go and maybe be in this market. I think if I would have, there's, I learned that you can start doing that whenever you want. Like, sure, you got to learn real estate, right? That doesn't take that long. You have to do deals. But I think focusing on that earlier would have been something I think I might have changed. Other than that, I mean, I think the journey and all of the things that I've, you know, encountered and overcome and come across have all been part of my path for a reason. And, and I love it. Like, it gives me great stories and, and content, number one. Uh, and number two, it's it's made me a better agent because I've learned things along the way. So those are the two main things I think I would have changed earlier on. Yeah. The, the one thing I love that you said was that you could do whatever you want, whenever you want, essentially, right? right. And people always ask, you know, well, what does it take to get into the luxury real estate market and how do you sell luxury homes? And honestly, there's so many things that one would do to set themselves up for success. But the first step is believe that you belong. Right. So if you believe that you belong, it doesn't matter if you've been doing it for a year or five years. Yeah. And that, that was a huge learning lesson for me because I always felt that, you know, getting into the business, not really having any direction or guidance or any mentors, I was just grateful for whatever business I had. And I never assumed or I never associated myself with like the luxury world. I'm just like, I'm here, I'm doing this. Why change it? It works. And then you were the one that sort of helped me expand my mindset and say, well, why aren't we doing that? Which we'll talk about later today because that's a big part of like our relationship and how it's evolved. So Mm -hmm. um, you have a degree in hospitality, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What was your goal prior to real estate when you were in college going through that? What was your ultimate like big picture want? Well, it was to open a bar and restaurant. That was it. So it was hospitality, hotel, restaurant management was the degree. Um, and, and I was working, um, in that industry for God, it was, it was at least 15 plus years. I was doing that, whether it was starting to serve tables at BJ's pizza and Balboa, then transitioning into the bar industry and, and bartending, uh, and bar managing at Sharky's in Newport beach for like 11 years. So, and then during that time, I was like, you know, I really have an interest in this and this would be cool. So I'm going to learn more about this. So the ultimate goal was to, was to own a, a bar and restaurant and get into that. And, um, and, and that's not completely off the table in life. Um, I just, I just chose to kind of transition out of something, um, that I was somewhat getting burnt out on. I need a little bit of a change. And, uh, and I, I literally always had an interest in the real estate world. My mom was a real estate agent back in the day. And, you know, Shar and Dennis, they yeah. were all like, they all worked together. They all knew each other. So like, even before Eric got in, like, you know, so I had this interest in it, but I never really was like, oh, I don't know if that's for me. I learned though that 
working with people and being in the service industry is very similar to real estate. It's just a little bit of a different niche. Yeah. So um, that was the goal um, with the degree. Um, it's off the table at the moment. It's not off the table in life. Yeah. You know? So. Well, you just said too that like working in the bar industry is very similar to working in the real estate industry. So when we're talking to new agents that want to join the team, mm -hmm. we like to keep an open mind around the fact that they may not have real estate experience, but maybe they have experience in other ways that translate to becoming a great real estate agent. How would you say that working in hospitality at BJ's for several years, you know, working at Sharky's, working your way up, becoming a manager, how does all that, and then having the hospitality degree, how do you feel all that translates into you being a great agent today? I, I think it's just, it's working with people and conversations and relationships and being a people person. Like all those things you just rattled off, you have to be in the people business. Otherwise you're going to fucking suck. Totally. Like, totally. you know, like, like if you're not, if you're shitty with tables or customers or bar people, they don't want to tip you. And that's your, your life depends on that in that industry. Right. So if you can't carry a conversation with people and whether you're engaged or not act like you're engaged, then that's not going to translate to them very well. And I feel that real estate is, it's all about conversations and relationships. So if you can be good with people and be able to listen and understand people's wants and needs, whether it's to buy a drink or buy a pizza or buy a house, yeah, dude, it's like, for example, like Laura, right? We, we brought Laura on and She's great at bartending and chatting with people and she's doing great in real estate. You know, she's off to a great start. Yeah. You know? I mean, at the end of the day, it's keeping people happy yeah. while they're buying what they want to buy. Right. And that's, yeah. that's awesome. So, and, and I've seen a direct correlation with that because, you know, with real estate too, you have to develop relationships very quickly with strangers. Right. And bartending is the same thing. Like, how do you, if you're a bartender, my goal would be, I've never done this, but how can I build so much rapport with the client that's here tonight that's only going to be here for three to four hours so that by the end of the night, they love me so much that they're tipping me and writing me great reviews? Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just on a larger scale with real estate. Exactly. That's, that's, that's the best way to put it, and that's exactly right. Like, you have this, you know, in real estate, you have this, you know, maybe one month to six months or 12-month relationship with each client, right, where you're kind of hot and heavy and, and getting together and doing things. In, in the bar industry, it's like you said, it's like three to four hours, and you want to you know, put a good impression on them so that they're going to tip you. They're going to come back and they're going to refer you business, like telling people to go see you. It's the yeah. Same thing in real estate. Yep. Yeah. So how was your transition from Sharky's, the bar industry to real estate? Cause I, you know, when we met, you were a little bit more of a party animal. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and so I know at Sharky's, the, the shift doesn't even start until later in the day Yeah. and it goes all throughout the night. And now you switch to real estate and you've got to be like, waking up early, getting into the office at eight or nine. Like how was that transition early on? In the beginning, it was definitely, it was tough. It was a transition. Let's just call it what it is. And it was like, you know, because I was used to going into work, whether it was, you know, five or six or seven or eight at night and getting working till like three or 4 a.m., not going to bed till five. And then it was complete polar opposite. So trying to get up in the morning and have a daytime, you know, vibe and life and schedule. Um, it was tough because I wasn't an early riser cause I was a nocturnal night owl for so long yeah. and also Over a decade. Yeah, dude, it was it's like nuts. 11, 11 years I was doing that. So, and it was, it was very much nighttime. So most of the time it was all nights. And then not to mention you didn't have to go to work till later on the next evening. So you didn't really care if you hung out and partied or did something after work because you could sleep all day. 
so that was kind of the thing. So in the beginning, it was it was a tough transition, but um, I did find that once I crossed over to the other side and finally was like, okay, I'm getting up early. This is daytime. I, I actually liked it a lot. It was a really nice, refreshing breath of fresh air to be able to like have a day because I didn't have that for yeah. so long. I was so used. I was like, I hate to say it, I was like prisoner to feel like, oh my God, I have to go to work tonight and I have to stay up so late. Like, because I wouldn't sleep all day all the time. Like that doesn't work for me, but it, it would suck because you felt like no matter what you had to go to work late and stay up late. And then you'd have that like, kind of like I'm tired the next day. And then in real estate, you make your own schedule. And I'm one that wants to get up early to seize the day in the morning and having a daytime schedule was great. You know, but it took a while, took a little bit of time. It just like little, little increments of getting up early and earlier and trying to, to transition to it. No, I remember early on when you would tell me how, how you just needed a break from that bar life and that, that real estate was kind of your escape from that. Um, so it's just great to see how it all kind of played out. So yeah, well, tomorrow's a special day, right? Tomorrow is your four year sober versary. That's correct. Right? So yeah. obviously when you were in the bar industry, you were not sober. No. Uh, that was, you know, being <laughs> being not sober was what, you know, made special Ryan special, right? In the bar scene, how has sobriety changed your life personally and professionally? I know that's a huge question. It is. We'll try um, to keep it under 40 minutes here for the people here. No, you know. <laughs> no, it is. It's a very big loaded question. Um, I mean... Let's just, the short answer is life has never been better since I've made that decision four years ago. Um, And, you know, professionally, um, as soon as I kind of made that transition and saying, okay, I'm going to put drinking aside and I'm going to say no to this because for whatever reasons that I had to to say that, um, my career took off more than it ever did. I was more focused. Um, I had more drive, more passion. Um, I didn't have hangovers. I didn't have the lingering as they say, fuck it attitude the next day. Yeah. Um, so I got more work done and I was more consistent. So that propelled me into a different level. Um, and then, and personally there's, there's multiple benefits and there's, there's some that I can't even think of, but it was, you know, physically I got in better shape. I looked better. I looked healthier marriage wise, relationship wise, like, and then to be honest, like when you finally say no to not wanting to drink anymore, I think one of the biggest things that I enjoyed was the next day not wondering, oh shit, what happened last night? Because <laughs> that's one of the most terrifying things in the world when you're like blacking out or like having those nights. And so being able to not have that worry on your conscience or your mind the next day is literally like like nothing else. It's great. Yeah. So, um, but no, I mean, life is great. And honestly... I've had people reach out and ask questions about it and people that have struggled. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things when you make the decision to do it, you somewhat get addicted to it and then you start feeling better and then you're like, this is really awesome. And then you get through a phase where like you get over the, the FOMO or the fear of missing out. And like, honestly, like I can go to a bar, I can go to a club, like, and I'm totally secure and fine. And I love it. Like it's, it's just my body and my mind has been trained to this is life now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I love watching you go to Vegas for whatever. And then everybody the next day looks like they're like the walking dead and you're like bright eyed and bushy tailed. You were in the gym at 5 a.m. Like you're probably the most hydrated person in Vegas. You just got back from Miami on a four day. Yeah. You know, like bender but you didn't bend no you know you no. you you had your fun you partied with the 
with everybody, yeah. but you did your thing. Dude, you- I, I, yeah, I love a good day club. I love a good pool. Um, and I, I love a nightclub and you know, yeah, just because I'm not drinking doesn't mean I'm not having a good time and enjoying. And, and to be honest, the next day stuff is, is what I live for. Like getting up the next day early, feeling good, feeling sticking good. to my, my workout and my eating regimen, all that stuff. Like, cause we all know alcohol kind of complicates all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, so. it just makes you make not the best decisions. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it was funny. I was talking to a friend of mine. We were going back and forth on like, well, what if you can get to a point where you can drink moderately? Like you have one or two drinks. Tried that. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we were, if that was the case, nobody would be obese, right? Like if moderation was a thing, people could actually have discipline. Right. But here's what we ultimately distilled that, that conversation down to. It doesn't matter how much you drink, it holds you back. Yeah. And I personally feel that way too. Um, and there have been moments in time where I've gone a month or even, you know, months without drinking. And uh, I just know that when I'm not drinking and I'm clear headed, I just operate at a higher level. So for you to be able to do it for four years consistently has been oh, props, thanks. dude. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. You're doing awesome and it's inspiring. All right. Let's talk about real estate again. Okay. You had mentioned that when you were first, you had wished that you would have started in the luxury world sooner. Mm-hmm. When did, it sounds like you had the luxury itch from the very beginning. Where, at what point were you like, okay, I've got to talk to Rob about this. This is something that I just can't sit on anymore. Help me understand that. So I don't remember. I think it was probably roughly like, I'd say two and a half-ish years ago maybe three because we've been down here in this office space at Newport for a couple years now. I think it was probably about two and a half, three years ago. And I remember like thinking to myself, like we, we were just like, we were turning and burning. We were doing real estate and the team was doing this. You were selling homes and it was, it was the same run of the mill stuff. Um, and I was thinking to myself, like, why are we not doing this, but with higher price points to where like, I mean, it's not all about the money, but it's also about the passion and the excitement and the sexy homes and the, and the, and the real estate and the lifestyle. And I remember thinking to myself, like, cause you told me too, like, I think you had a conversation with TF one time and he was like, he's like, why are you, why are you not selling? No, he literally, so we, you, it, was a, it was a team plus call and yeah, we were yeah. going around the room and we were asking for everybody's production. And I think at the, at the time I was like, he, I was like, we're at, we're at like 40 million closed and pending for the year. And he's like, Mac, you should be doing 40 million on your own, not mm-hmm. your whole team. And I think I told you that. And that's when you were like, maybe that was the catalyst. Well, yeah, he just mentioned, well, he, he mentioned that we had access to higher price points right around us. Yeah. And we weren't really, we were, we were sitting comfortably and like to, to people listening in other country or counties and states, like, we were sitting comfortably in like the 700 to 1.5 range. Yeah. And that was like our bread and butter and it was fine. And don't get me wrong. If you're in a low price point and you're listening to this, I'm not trying to knock it. You have to work harder to make more money. I understand. Yeah. Um, we had that luxury to be able to be like, we're literally in Irvine and we have Newport beach, like on our doorstep. So, and, and the coastal market. And I was thinking to myself like, and yeah, and, and going back to what you said originally, in the beginning of real estate, like I was always drawn to the coastal market. I just didn't know how to get there and like what to do. And like, I didn't know real estate, like I didn't know anything, right? So it was like, all right, let's, let's, let's learn the game a little bit. Let's do some transactions. Let's have a couple years under my belt. And then it was finally like, it, we were on autopilot. 
you know, we just, we were just doing our thing and we were trying to grow the team a little bit. We were trying to just do more transactions. And I was thinking to myself, well, why don't we just, why don't we go into that market? And yeah. so that's kind of how it came up. I think there was a couple different things and not to mention we were, we were ready for a little bit of a move, I think just from our current market of where we were at, you know? Yeah. So, well, I love that, man. And I'm always so grateful that you brought it up. It's kind of like a yin and yang because I was very on autopilot and I was very comfortable with what was working and I didn't really need to fix or change anything. And in hindsight, I just couldn't imagine doing anything other than what we're doing today. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, I'm so grateful that you came to me and had the conversation. That conversation led to us kind of whiteboarding what would it look like if we did it? And yeah. then all of a sudden things started happening in and around our life that started leading us towards where we are today. Yeah. And fast forward, like I said, like we're doing what we want to do and we've accomplished so much in the last two years and literally like the sky's the limit. We could do whatever we want and we're just getting started. Yeah. So that's Great. awesome. Um, let's, I would, I'd love to talk about the Royal twins for a little bit. Um, we got a big week. Yeah, big week. They're almost turning one, huh? They're going to be one in uh, like two weeks, That's week and a half. Next week, wow. the 27th of July. Red 27 on roulette. God, that number means more than anything ever now. Even I put on red 27 in Vegas when I'm not with you. Dude. It, that's, that's how much it means to me. Yeah, July 27th, uh, 2022, our lives changed forever. Uh, we had our twin, identical twin baby girls, Brooklyn and Sophia. Um, and, you know, just to put a stamp on that a little bit. That was one of the happiest, proudest moments because Bree and I were trying to get pregnant for a while. We had our ups and downs and all arounds with it. Uh, finally got to that point and had it. <laughs> and then we found out we were having twins. So it was like, dude. Um, That's part of my question. My question is, is, first of all, what did you feel like when you got the news that you were pregnant? Then what did you feel like when you found out that they were twins? And then what did you feel like when you found out that they were girls i wanted to know i want to know all about that because i know that that must be like a roller coaster of dude emotions. i get the i get the chills I'm right chills i got right chills now. right now i'll never forget that moment when we were on the bridge to at south coast plaza uh the bridge across over yep. the crystal court and we were walking up the escalator and brie got the call from the doctor um with some results to find out if we had you know conceived or not and um and and the way that she reacted and she cried almost as if it didn't go well and kind of like broke down. But then finally she let out, Oh my God, we're pregnant. And I'll just never forget. Like just this wave flew over me. It was just like a tingle from head to toe. And it was just such a, it was such an exciting relief, happiness, joy, sad, like everything all at once. I was just so excited. Um, so that feeling was like none other. I remember we were just walking through shopping and we were telling random people that we just found out we were pregnant. And I like, feel like we got the FaceTime call and we were like, oh my gosh, it's yeah, happening. It was, it was wild, man. So there was, it was such an amazing feeling. Um, and then, you know, that was early December. And then, <laughs> you know, within a few weeks later, we are going for, a, somewhat of an emergency ultrasound visit with our doctor on Christmas Eve. Um, there was some minor complications happening and, you know, the fact that Brie was newly pregnant and never been pregnant. She, we called the doctor on just about every little thing during the pregnancy, which is fine. I, I, I say that's a great idea. And so they said, come in. So we go in on Christmas Eve and, you know, she looks in there and she's doing her ultrasound and she says, oh, you know, she's like, oh, this is normal. It's, it's totally fine. Everything's cool that, you know, everything's good. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, such relief, right? Like that, 
that drive down there was horrible. And then getting that news was great. And then she says, you know, hang on one second. And, you know, she's continuing the ultrasound and everything. And, um, and she goes, well, and she's like, I did see something else in here. And, and okay, so what's going on? And she goes, well, your embryo split. And me being a guy who's never been pregnant, no idea what that means. No clue what yeah. the fuck that horrible. means. Right? I'm like, I'm like, so can we put it back? So together? I go, Dude, what is that? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, is that bad? I'm like, oh my god, is that bad? And then, and then Brie instantly is sobbing, tears of joy. I didn't know they were tears of joy. Oh yeah, she's... and I'm like, what? And she and the doctor goes, you're you're having identical twins. And I literally, we had a freaking mask because it was still COVID stuff. I, I like, I'm, I was sweating through it and I, I just said, and I literally blurted out, I was like, are you fucking serious? Like literally that's what came out of my mouth. Just like clockwork. I was like, what? And so she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. And so Bree just is laughing and crying and like the room was spinning and I was like, oh my God, twins. Like I didn't know what to think, but it, but once the, the shock wore off, it, it was the sheer joy and excitement because we got to tell our parents who already knew we were pregnant and tell them we were having twins. They were freaking blown away. Um, Brian, my father-in-law was screaming in the backyard, running around. None of the siblings knew that we were pregnant and we were going to tell them at Christmas. So he had to lie about why he was screaming. And so it was just this crazy, it was exciting though. Cause when we got to tell him we were pregnant during Christmas and we got to tell him we were having twins and it was just like this extra joy. So then Fast forward, and then it's the gender reveal time, right? Yes, we did a gender reveal. That's what people do these days. And so, I mean, if you don't do it, there's something wrong. I feel like you right. got to do that so, now. After so everything you went through, God. <laughs> so, so we do that, and 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 I'm thinking to myself, I, I don't know what it is. I'm 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 fine with either way, right? And there's this like, I would love it to be boys. That'd be great, right? Like it'd be cool because I can relate. I think there's something about a guy being able to relate with having a son to be able to pass on what you know, like there's just this, this vibe or this, this bond that you think you can have. So they do the whole confetti poppers thing. Finally, I was in so much suspense and they were pink and purple. So at first it almost looked blue. Yeah. And, and I know I was like, I, I then saw and I realized that it was pink and everyone was like, Oh my God, they're girls. And then instantly my mind changed and I got this amazing feeling of, oh my God, I'm going to be in a, a, a girl dad to two little princesses. And that's the truth, princesses. Like you start yeah. thinking like that. And it was this yet another unreal feeling and just thinking like, okay, everything changed, you know, everything changed. And it was for the better. Like I just wanted healthy babies, you know, and the fact that they were, you know, two healthy baby girls and now I get to spoil them and be the, the somewhat authority figure occasionally when we know mom's going to be that, but, uh, it's great. It's an amazing feeling. I love it, man. Yeah. It gives me tingles just hearing the story and I, I lived through it, but to hear you talk about it again, is just awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you're having your best year ever year six in the business, um, totally crushing what you did last year and still have almost half of the year left. Mm -hmm. How are you able to manage working at such a high level, but still having this new insanely big responsibility of raising twin girls. I mean, a lot of times I've seen this happen. People have kids, the kids consume their lives and then their work situation struggles, mm -hmm. but you're the exact opposite. Like you are just, you're thriving this year. Yeah. Well, I, I think that the number one reason is my wife, Brie, a hundred percent. Shout out to Brie for, the support and the fact that, you know, we, we both pitch in, don't get me wrong. Like I'm a hands-on dad, 
but Brie allows the ability for me to be able to take like a good chunk of the day to work and she handles the girls and she still runs her business and does life and everything. So number one is, is that's one of the biggest reasons. So I owe a lot to her for her support, whether it's just through the real estate transactions, ups and downs and all that, but just being a, a great mom and support system for me. So, and then also I think it's just, you just have to get really tight on use of your time and highest and best use of your time. Like I have a limited time each day to be with my girls. So I kind of adapted my schedule a little bit. So my work schedule in the office and out in the field is shorter, but I have to get more done in that amount of time and make sure I'm making it count because I want to be with my girls in the morning and spend time with them before I go to the office and go to work. And then I want to see them at a reasonable time before I get them ready for like baths and bedtime and go to bed. So I think the biggest thing is being very disciplined. Yeah. I, I, uh, it makes sense because I think about the days where I've got a jam-packed schedule and just back-to-back stuff, and I find that I'm more intentional with my time on those busier days. Mm-hmm. And the exact opposite happens when I've got not a lot going on. I feel like I'm a lot more lackadaisical and loose with my schedule. So I feel like almost having these girls put so much pressure on you to be intentional with your schedule yeah. that you are literally just intentional with your schedule, which is what it takes to be an amazing real estate agent. We always talk about time blocking and task management. Yeah. And you're literally living proof that it's possible even with twin girls. Yeah. And the motivation really kicks up a notch, especially when you have twin girls. You got to keep I mean, them alive and pay you for You got to keep the them stuff. alive. You got to pay for stuff. And also like you get this exciting, I want to give them an amazing life, right? It's not about money, right? But it's about options. It's well, about, money helps. Money helps gives you options and gives you, you know, the time and the flexibility to do what you want in life. And and the only way for me to do that is to to do well in real estate, to be able to give them the life that I want, be able to have time with them and you know, money can help buy back your time as well. So um, it, it's definitely a motivation kick in the butt on top of the fact that like, I want to make sure I spend as much time with them as possible and also not let things fall off at work. So I love it, man. I yeah. love it. I can't wait to just be on the sidelines and watch them keep growing and keep thriving. We can't end this podcast without talking about your hair. <laughs> and the sad, the sad part about all this is, you know, I obviously have thinning hair. It's actually thinned. It's done. What you see is what you get. So I'm good. But to be, to, to, to look at you and your hair, it's, it's kind of like a sad, it's like a sad joke, right? And we, we have so many stories around, like, we've lit- literally gone door knocking and been interrupted by the person saying, oh my gosh, you have such nice hair. I don't even know when it changed. All I know is I look at old pictures and I'm like, oh, that's pre-big hair, Ryan. Yeah. Can you help, help me understand at what point did, were you like, hey, listen, I'm going to take my hair to the next level? Uh, Was it on, t- on purpose? Yeah, or did well, it slowly get bigger No, and bigger? I, I changed. I literally, I was used to a certain hairstyle, haircut for years and years and years and it was just the way I did it. And then I... I remember I was like, I think I want to like, I want to change it up. Like I want to do something a little bit more like hip or cool as what I was thinking in my head. So I like looked up like hairstyles, like I, I Googled it and I started looking at different styles and like, they just give you examples. So I went into the, the girl that I get my haircut at the time. And I was like, I was like, I want to do like something like this. And like, that's how it happened. And then she just like, kind of like did it. And then as time went on, I kind of perfected the way I liked it. And I was like, okay. And then I just, 
that was it. So then it just kind of grew into what it is and I kept it that way and it's iconic. <laughs> I mean, literally everybody brings it up. It's 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 insane how many people will literally cut us off in conversation yeah. and talk about your hair. Well, I'll take it. I'm very I'm extremely grateful that I have it. Because I, it. I know not everybody is that lucky. So I'm extremely grateful. Oh yeah. You're lucky. <laughs> Definitely lucky. Amazing at yeah. a hair. Yeah. So what's in store for future Ryan? Like what what is next for you in terms of like the real estate game? What are some of your like what would you say would be a five year goal or a two year goal? Like what's on your radar right now that you want to put out there and say, Hey, this is what I'm going for next. What do you want to do? Um, well, I'd I'd love to continue to break in and get more reps under my belt in the luxury space. Um, as you know, this is kind of like, it's something, it's one thing that I've learned. You don't just dive in and become like a, a, an icon overnight unless you possibly do a reality show and you take off. I mean, I don't know any other way to accelerate and I'm not knocking those people that do it because they work hard. I'm saying that it helps accelerate your growth. Well, that stuff is visibility, It's right? visibility. visibility I mean, it's, it's all it's what it's about. Visibility leads to potential credibility and then credibility will lead to profitability. Yeah, so. exactly. So I, I would love to continue to get to a place where I'm, I'm in that space consistently and and have a name for myself. I think another big picture goal is I, I really do love the development um, and building side of real estate. So, you know, right now we're starting to dabble in getting clients who are investors that are doing the buy and tear down or flip and, and remodel. I would love to get to a place where I'm doing those, where I'm the one doing those deals. Um, because at the end of the day, like it, it would be extremely lucrative, but it would also be really fun to be able to have your own project. Yeah. And yeah, we can get some hands-on with that stuff now, but I would love to be in, involved in that. Um, I've got some great resources and, and people in my circle and in my corner that can help me with that. So I would love to be able to be doing that, you know, down the road and have them be my development deals and be, and be doing that. That'd be awesome. I love it, man. Yeah. Dude. Thank you for today. This yeah. was awesome. Yeah. Thank you for being a guest on the, the Elevate podcast. We'll, uh, you guys, I hope you had fun listening to Ryan's story. And if you have any questions or comments, comment below and we'll catch you next time.